Hello, book lovers. It is your favorite readers, or at least I assume we're your favorite readers, Marissa Serafini, and I am Phil Svitek. It is our December edition. So in keeping with our traditional theme, we, you know, we try to be a little bit festive and pick, you know, on, on theme. And so we're going with Christmas, but this year we've decided to skip Christmas. In fact, we're just skipping Christmas. That is the title of the book. It is a John Grisham novel. Um, and so we're going to talk about it. In the past, when we've like amped this book up, we said it was a murder mystery. It is not a murder mystery. It's not. <laughs> okay. Darn it. So uh, just know that. And, uh, you know, if you're listening, uh, welcome. But if you're watching, you can see we're a little bit festive. I got the uh, I, I went as festive as I will go, which is Hogwarts. Uh, I got a Hogwarts t-shirt, but Marissa's got the Santa hat. I got uh, my Santa hat. A... Oh, I could get my Ravenclaw scarf. I mean, it's only it's... like two feet away from me. <laughs> it's all good. We're skipping Christmas. That's that's yeah, the whole are. name of we the are. game. I'm, I'm putting more effort into this than they did. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was a book for me that I like when I was picking up other reads for our book discussions. I saw in the library, uh, it was a John, a John Grisham book. I never read John Grisham, you know, heard a lot of great things. It was very thin and I knew December was like my month. So I was like, this, this seems great. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, why not? Let's make December easy. You know, there's too much going on. Let's, let's just, and it seemed fun. Like the title's name is skipping Christmas. So it'd be fun to just say, Hey, we're skipping Christmas. Right. Um, so that's how the book was picked. Obviously, we're going to talk about it uh, as if it's spoiler filled. So, you know, if you've not read the book, you know, pause, maybe go read the book if you don't care. That's that's entirely up to you. There was a movie made about it called um, Christmas with the Cranks. You might have heard that one starring Tim Allen and a few others. We'll talk about it, but we none of us have really seen it. We chose to skip it, pun intended, because it apparently wasn't that very good. We'll talk about that. But um, before we do any of all that stuff, let me kick it over to you, Marissa, for your initial thoughts on this book. Overall, I was looking forward to reading this, mostly because I knew it was John Grisham, and you had never read him. I had a long time ago, like high school, probably, um, one of his more famous stories, uh, A Time to Kill. Um, read that book and watched the movie. It's also fantastic. Also A-list cast there. And I think it was probably me, so I'll take full responsibility for making us think it was probably a murder mystery because that's all I really know John Grisham as so far because um, I haven't read any like fun crazy ones like this that's not um, this is more comedy rather than murder mystery so I don't know I just associated him with crime yeah I mean to um, be fair he's no like um, yeah. he's done a lot and, and a lot of his books have been turned into movies you know like the client the firm like those are you know, yeah. of that ilk. So it makes sense that you would think that this is very not on par with what he's written before. Right. So naturally, I was excited to read this because I was like, oh, I like those kind of movies. I like those kind of stories. And then I read this. I was like, oh, I do have some bones to pick, mostly because it hit way too close to home for me personally, growing up in a small town. Um, but overall, it was fun. Was it necessary? Can you skip this book? Absolutely. But, I mean, it it's a nice departure from what we really know John Grisham for, right? Yeah, for me, I enjoyed kind of the satirical aspect of it. Um, I mean, it's really told in two parts, right? Um, you know, there's the kind of 
the decision that they're going to skip Christmas, and we'll get into all of it in, in just a moment, but I'll, I'll keep it vague at least a little bit longer. There's the whole notion of they're going to skip Christmas and then something happen, you know, something happens and then they have to kind of work backwards, right? Um, and even though it's only like 170 pages, really, I was really enjoying it for like the first 40 to 50. And then it dragged a little bit for like the next 30 to maybe 40, perhaps even 50. And I was like, we could have just cut that and gone from that to the end and, you know, kept it a hundred pages. And like that to me was the book, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for a short book, it's, it's a little long. I feel you. I don't think it was more so the situation that upset me. I think it was more the people um, uh, that that I personally had a problem with. I kind of, I don't want to say triggering, but like, yep, those are the kind of people I grew up with in a small town. And yeah, I mean, we'll get into it later, but um, it's a very simple story. It's a very simple premise. And but my thing, my thing that I was kind of upset was is that like they weren't fully committed. You know how like you can make big brand plans. You're like, this is the best idea we've had in years. Let's do it. You get all excited. You get that dopamine hit and you're like, now you're actually planning it out with whoever you're going to enjoy it with. And then something happens. You're like, um, was it just talk? Were we just like having delusions of grandeur? Maybe not. And then they just like totally backed out. And I think I was more upset with that. I was like, oh, you weren't fully committed. You weren't. <laughs> well, you know, um, that aspect of it, to me, it, it worked by the end. Like the, the the bow was proverbial tied by the end. And I thought it was a sweet ending. But let's, so backtracking a little bit, um, you have Luther and Nora. And even though the story's told in third person, it really is, for the most part, from Luther's perspective. We get a little bit of Nora. Yeah. But it's mainly Luther, and uh, that's a husband and wife. Uh, they they just essentially raise the kid who goes off to do some uh, Peace Corps type stuff. <laughs> so mm -hmm. she's gone. She flew the nest. Um, so this is their first Christmas without their daughter. And, you know, Luther, he's kind of cranky, right? And so he's an accountant. He goes home, and he, like, calculates how much Christmas really costs. And it's about $7,000 every year. And he's like, screw this. We can actually save money and go on a Caribbean cruise and actually enjoy ourselves and not put in the time and effort to putting up the damn Christmas lights, to baking, you know, cooking, blah, 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 mm -hmm. pretending to be festive when we don't want to be. So that's the whole premise. And, you know, when you kind of say it like that, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into Christmas. So in, in a sense, it's like, and and I like the themes of, because it is, it's like the commercialization aspect of it. And, you know, um, I think what you're hinting at with, with uh, the various people, you know, this whole neighborhood wins like the decoration awards from this town. And so they have to all have a frosty and it has to be the same height. And, you know, they all put it up at the same time. So I like the communal aspect of it, but it becomes militant. Very militant. Um, I didn't like the communal aspect of it because I didn't like it because of how real that is. <laughs> Be, being from a small town and like those who made the most quote unquote effort and all the your decorations, what have you, uh, all the lights uh, in your front yard, anything. Um, if you made the effort, 
you get actually ranked or like who had the best house this year who won second third x y and z and then i was like can i rant for like two minutes <laughs> Go ahead, be Luther. Exact- yes no this is exactly a small town mentality um because the smaller town you are that's like all they have to look forward to when it's christmas like and the judgmentalness of someone deciding not to put up christmas trees and christmas lights and all that that's it 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 gets questioned and then it gets judged like yo that's their prerogative if they don't want to do that and put in the time and effort that's like totally on them but also just because you want to doesn't mean you should project that they're doing something wrong and that's what you get in small towns because they scrutinize everything. And that's why I love living in L.A. I literally live in Hollywood proper. I have no Christmas decorations other than my hat. There is nothing in my apartment. And you know what? No one's judging me. No one's bothering me and pestering me and pressuring me to put up lights. And no one, no one cares. No one cares. And that's the thing with small towns, because if you don't do it, people are going to notice and they're going to judge. And if you're in a bigger town, people are too busy about their own personal lives that they don't give two shits if you're doing nothing about Christmas. So that's what bothered me about the people that they were being they were like pressuring and judging these cranks. And then they had so the societal pressure of what they had to do. And then something else happened. They're like, okay, now we really have to do this. So yeah, you, so you don't find that in big towns or in like big cities. You only find that in small, small towns. Well, it's, it's um, by the way, so their last name is the Cranks. So hence, um, if we refer to them <laughs> as Cranks, which is, a, I, I think it's a deliberate choice because it's, you know, cranky and that. Oh, yeah. Onwards. They're the curmudgeon family <laughs> of this community. We get it. Yeah. Um, but it, it is interesting, you know, uh, even though neither of us have seen the movie on. So Tim Allen on Home Improvement, he would always be that guy that would like make all the decorations. And obviously with Santa in, in the Santa Claus, which totally screwed up how to spell the Santa Claus for most of millennials. <laughs> yeah, I still spell it incorrectly. But, you know, that is my favorite Christmas movie. I digress. Um, but the point being, so Tim Allen seems to have a theme um, <laughs> here, but because he played uh, Luther in that way. And yeah, I, I don't know. It, like, it is interesting that. So, so for me, when I talk about like the community aspect, I think that's like the um, altruistic side of it, like the like what the good that could come out of it versus mm-hmm. what it devolves into. Right. And I think it's like a lot of holidays that we celebrate but we'll focus on christmas obviously where this is the decoration side of it but also like the the, you know just even the pressure of getting gifts for people and you know how much do you spend and so forth and you know how many how many sitcoms and movies exist of like marissa we're only going to do a 20 dollar limit but then i come to the table and i've like gotten you a gift for 500 dollars and then you're like, what the fuck? I got you a twenty dollar mm. like keychain, right? <laughs> you know? Right. So, like, and then whatever. it's like, and it's the season where everyone's trying to one up each other. You're like, this is supposed to be holly and joyful and stuff. And then you're like, it, now it just becomes a competition. And then there, then you add the commercialism and the capitalism with it. Yeah. So, so that was the like for me. I, I enjoyed that sort of analysis of the book into the psychosis of everyone. And it really was everyone. Like you had the main guy, um, what the hell's his name? Uh, Fro Fro Meyer, um, yeah. 
And then you had like, I'll call him Vic. That's a much easier name for me to say. <laughs> yeah. So you had Vic, but then you had his kid, you had his wife. And then like you had like the neighbor across the street with his wife. Like there was just so many people. And like, yeah, as you said, like everyone just knew everyone's business. And it's not even that, like they made it their business to know everyone's business. It was like, yeah. hey, Marissa, so uh, what's going on? I was like, uh, how, yeah, I see you're missing, missing a Frosty. What's, oh, what's happening? Something wrong? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that only small town people do that. Like, you're in a big city. No one cares. No one cares. You're in a small town. Matter. I'm like, yeah, the scrutiny is so frustrating. But it was also just the, uh, the, the unacceptance of their, they were like, hey, listen, our daughter's not here. We're going on a cruise. That's why Frosty's not up. And it was like, but Frosty's got to be up. <laughs> right. It's like, <laughs> you're a part of this neighborhood, aren't you? And then, like, they couldn't see or hear any more than they wanted to. They're like, I, I, I don't see Frosty. I don't hear you saying you want to put him up. There's a problem here. Let's fix it. And like that. And that's all they cared about. Yeah. So, you know, because it's like, that's a pretty decent reason in my book. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You're, you're going on vacation. That seems fun. All right. And well, honestly, you could go on two cruises for that same amount. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think early on, I at least got the sense that there was a bit of jealousy of like, wait, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed <laughs> to go have fun. Right. You you're know? allowed to have different plans than us. And I think the thing is, was like, it was definitely established that small rural town. Yes, I get it. I, I'm going to keep saying that because again, this only happens in small towns is that Everyone, like all the families are quote unquote so similar. Like you have a husband, you have a wife, you have the kids and all the houses look the same. They're all in the same proximity, yada, da, da, da. So like everyone's pretty similar. And then when you have the one thing that stands out, the one family that's like going against the grain, everyone's got to focus on it. And so like, I think that's the reason why we had such picky nosy judgmental <laughs> neighbors is because we're like oh they're this they're the regular people that like christmas and cranks are the ones who are actually trying to be practical this year yeah and um and again i mean it, it is even um i notice it even like even though you say like and i get i get the point about small town versus like cities but I also know even in friend groups, like there's this weird, th it, it's almost like akin to if you tell somebody like, oh, I'm not drinking. All of a sudden it's like, hey, what's wrong? Whereas, you know, because um, like I think a lot of people, especially in this economy, one of my favorite phrases, you know, they're going to be more conscious about like the gifts that they give. And, you know, like nowadays it's like, listen, if I get a like just a, a handwritten card, great. I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like the person put in time and effort, even if it doesn't have a gift card in it, it's just like literally that thing. That's totally fine. Um, but I think again, we just bastardized this holiday. And I think that's what it's ultimately satirizing is just that idea of we're so we, we've lost the plot as the kids say. Yeah. Well, you know? it's like we lost the meaning of Christmas. Now it's like something, this is what I've been saying for the past few years Christmas doesn't feel like a holiday. Christmas is a deadline. It's business. It's work. It, it's not associated with joyfulness. It's associated with deadlines and pressure and societal pressures. We got to eat. We got to feed this. We, we, you know, we, we have to get presents for all these people. You know, there's just like, it's a to-do list. You know, it's just become work and not about like what Christmas actually is. 
Yeah, and um, also one of the, one of the ways that was exemplified was all these not charities, but like the firefighters and other people coming to them and be like, "Hey, you're going to give a donation." And in a way, like again, it, it it's that weird kind of subverted version of it that's bastardized, where it's like I'm no longer giving from my heart. Now it's just an obligation. And if I don't give you the hundred dollars that I gave you last year, now I'm the asshole. Right. <laughs> you know, where it was like, it was always a generous gift that I didn't have to give. And if I decide one year that I'm not going to, you know, as the cranks, like, I'm not going to write you this check this time around, don't be upset. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's like, oh, okay, fine. Right. Well, and so, so it's like that there was that moment where they were, not because it becomes more about the people and their mentality um not because when i i remember when like some of the neighbors who now found out that the cranks weren't celebrating were telling other neighbors the very gossipy you know this is small town this is how news gets passed around when those neighbors were talking to each other they're like oh are they not catholic are they not christian are they jewish are they whatever like whatever denomination and they're like oh there has to be a legit reason why they're not celebrating christmas like it has to be a religious thing you're like no no they just don't want to and that's okay (laughs) that's okay they're like these neighbors were trying to justify even for them a reason uh that was good enough for them to skip christmas yeah and that that was kind of insane that was the teetering of it all because Nora was like the one on the fence and you know the moments we get inside Luther's head he's like all right we just got to make it past this benchmark and I got to keep Nora strong and just put my foot down and then like we're past the point of no return and uh unfortunately who should have messed it all up but the daughter who comes in unexpected to Christmas with her damn fiance who she just met I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And, like, you've seen these stories. I'm like, I'm, you know me. I'm a humongous Nancy Myers fan. So I just, like, kept thinking father of the bride. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, the, the daughter's coming back, and she's bringing this new boo home. And, uh, like, oh, no, now we got to put on a show. And we we don't know if we like him or we, or we hate him yet, but we're doing it for our daughter. And, like, this is what bothered me. It's like, if the daughter had not come home, they would have fully committed and finally went on the cruise. But because the daughter came back, then they're like, oh, crap. Again, with the outside pressure, like, no, crap. Now we do have to actually do something for Christmas because she's going to come back and wonder why we didn't do anything. And then she's going to we're going to get judgment from our own daughter. So, like, that's what bothered me. (laughs) If the daughter didn't come back, they would have had their happy ending. I mean, I think I agree with you, but I also don't know. Like, we get so little of the daughter, right? You know, especially at that point, like, all we know is kind of second hand nature of it all right that mm-hmm. she's a good kid and this and that you know from the neighbors as well as as uh, the cranks themselves so i don't know it's it's tough to to pinpoint of like what she have to, if, if they just flat out said like oh honey we planned a caribbean cruise we didn't know that you're coming now yeah. this is weird you know what i mean and even i i know like you know nora like told the lie and stuff like that and like I just don't know, like, at any moment, I just felt like we could reverse this. We don't have to do this. You could just be like, hey, daughter, we lied to you. We were actually going on a cruise because you weren't here. Your mom lied. 
End of story. <laughs> or you, or they could just be, uh, yeah, honest about that. But also like, hey, it's not refundable, so we're going to go. How about let's just postpone our Christmas activities and get together to like the new year's like postpone it a week there's so many people do that too it's just like just because it doesn't work on the exact day that they were actually going to leave or like be on their cruise and stuff that doesn't mean it doesn't happen have to happen at all i mean that's what postpone is for and i think that's the thing is like they didn't fully commit like they if they really wanted to go on the cruise they would have found a way to do it and if they really wanted to see their daughter they would have just rescheduled it with her yeah, I mean, I think, That's it. like, for me, I like the beginning, and I, like, the reason why, as messy as it is in the middle, I like it is because the community does, in the end, come together to forgive and help the cranks, and it's a kumbaya sort of moment, and, you know, uh, the neighbors who are suffering, uh, you know, with their health scares and stuff like that, they get to go on this cruise, so at least it doesn't go to waste and it's a nice gesture, right? So for those reasons, I, I like where it ends up. I like where it starts, but it, it is a little bit contrived for me in that middle of how we get there. Yeah. And again, like as much as I've been shooting on small towns and people, you do also get that in small towns. Like people can rally. People can rally real fast. I mean, again, I grew up in a small town. I've seen and have witnessed Hey, like, hey, you need a problem with that? And they called a tractor. They called, like, two other guys from down the street. And they got the, like, the tree trunk out in, like, less than 10 minutes. It's just, like, people do that. People will immediately help you also in a small town after they judge you first. (laughs) So, and, like, uh, it's, like, it's the good and the bad about, like, knowing everyone. But also because they know you they're willing to help you too and the fact that the town did rally in like a day and got all the everything up and everything set up and like as if they never skipped christmas it's like yeah that's realistic too yeah and i'm glad like ultimately they did it because they loved the daughter right you know certainly luther in this particular go around had not really given any any reasons to like actually want to help and uh if anything, I do think it was true to form for Luther, who's just, you know, trying to steal the, he's not stealing the, the Christmas tree, but he negotiated a deal for the Christmas tree, that it's got no ornaments, and just that very mm-hmm. typical, like, husband, like, I got this, like, leave me alone, you know, and just, like, <laughs> nothing's coming right. together, but he, like, hell or high water, you know, he'll, I'm not saying he'll complete the task, but he will stupidly think that he can complete the task you know so i did appreciate that he's stubborn he's stubborn um in over his head but if it wasn't for his small town community i don't think he would have succeeded either so you got to give them that as well and thank god he didn't die (laughs) oh my god i know i was like oh dude (laughs) i was worried for him for a second it's like he almost died yeah it's like yeah Christmas is important, but like it's not worth literally killing yourself over. Yeah, so it's it's weird. It's it's like I don't know ultimately like what lessons we take away from this because like let's say cut to next year, it's like well, hey, you know the fire department comes and like hey, you got to give us a hundred dollars. We saved your life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? or like, Do you not want us to remember? save your life next time? 
remember that time uh no you should i mean that's also in fairness that's the firefighter's job too so like they're gonna see someone in peril they're gonna help them either even if like they've saved them before i think it's more they they just need to plan better they need to coordinate and plan better with the families with the neighbors be honest about it be straightforward like hey thank you so much for in trying to include us in your plans this year we're going to do our own thing please respect that and then also be honest with their daughter like yo we're going to be gone these two weeks um if you're planning on coming home let us know ahead of time let us know the the proper weeks we can schedule time to see you i mean like being being the <laughs> the daughter that's in a different town or a different state from my parents, I have to coordinate with my parents when I go home. So, like, I don't know. I think it's just, like, a lot of these problems could be avoided with proper communication, proper scheduling. It's like... Well, I think what worked... It didn't have to happen. It didn't, but but I think part of what really threw off the cranks, at least, was the daughter bringing in a fiancé. And... I mean, here's here's where I will like side with them. This seemed way too soon. Like it's been weeks, not even months. Um, where I don't side with the cranks is who is this like bohemian native? Like, <laughs> you know? like yep. they just like go straight towards like all the stereotypes of of you know just the worst aspects. Right, and and I think maybe that. Maybe it's just them projecting. <laughs> we maybe we can like we can assume they're not the nicest, most thoughtful family out of that entire community. I mean, look at this. They're like if they were, we wouldn't have this story. Um, so I, I think it's more like they they're also capable of snap judgments as well, which is yeah. very frustrating. So they were projecting their insecurities of, and judgment on them, and not and especially on this new guy. They're like, oh crap, and they're like. Uh, our daughter's bringing home this fiance. Now he's going to think we're weird. And like, we can't have that. And I totally understand like when you're trying to please strangers or like you're worried about what strangers think of you, especially when you just met them. Yeah. That's a crippling feeling too. It is. But, uh, you know, as we kind of mentioned, it does become a very kumbaya sort of a thing. It's like, oh, the fiance is great. Oh, you're a doctor. We love you. <laughs> okay. We we're like, okay, this wasn't for naught. <laughs> I was like, you actually turned out to be a good person. So all the stress and stuff is like, eh, it wasn't a total loss. I still say too soon, you know. Yes, too way soon. too soon. Like, But I think we can infer that the daughter, she's... She's Peace Corps, so, like, she obviously cares about other people. She probably has an altruistic side herself, like, that we know that she's a caring, giving person, probably has better judgment than her parents. So if the daughter's madly in love as soon, like, however love takes for her to fall in love, um, I think they're like, well, if the daughter loves him, I guess, you know, we can give them the benefit of the doubt that we can love him, too. And, like, that's that's just, like, typical parenting too you know they they just want what's best for their daughter and listen i do too i you know i'm not saying they're not in love and that they're not fit for each other but uh just you know give it a few fights see how you work through some fights before <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's all i'm saying yeah so. figure out how you handle conflict together and then and then talk again <laughs> yeah you know that's all i'm saying all right. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk story-wise? I mean, it's 
fairly simple, like I said, That's overall two part. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, so, I think we covered it. <laughs> so let's talk John Grisham a little bit. Um, so he is quite prolific, as we said. So he was born in 1955. Um, he was a lawyer and a former member of the Mississippi House of Representatives. And after that, you know, he started writing illegal thrillers. Makes sense, given his background. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, according to the American Academy of Achievement, um, he has written 37 consecutive number one fiction bestsellers. <laughs> Um, wow. Overachiever that, much? <laughs> that means he wrote at least 37 books. Yep. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, good for him, but like he is a very notable name. Yeah, absolutely. And so he sold over 300 million copies. And yeah, I mean, he's one of those authors like you hear the name. Um, like to me, it's synonymous with like a Stephen King, a Tom Clancy. Um, obviously, you know, in today's day and age, J.K. Rowling politics mm -hmm. of all that aside uh, you know all that stuff right like it's, it's just wild and so um yeah so you know you mentioned a time to kill uh, we've got the firm um the chamber the clients um a painted house the pelican reef the rainmaker the runaway jury like you know yeah. so chris there's a lot of christmas, court aspects <laughs> absolutely so skipping christmas wow. is very much not his typical sort of a, a you know, uh, book. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And a lot of those movies, or sorry, a lot of those books have been made into movies and are great movies in their own right. Yes. All right. Well, um, as far as the reception of this, um, Publishers Weekly said, for all of its clever um, curmudgeonry edge and minor charms, no way does this Christmas yarn um, from Grisham rank with A Christmas Carol as the publisher themselves claim. And I think, you know, that's what he was trying to go for with his own sort of version of it. The premise is uh, terrific, as they say, as you'd expect from uh, Grisham. But as clever as this setup is, its elaborate elaboration is ho-hum. There's good reason why nearly all classic Christmas tales rely on an element of fantasy for literary, at least Christmas is a time of miracles. Grisham sticks to the mundane, however... And a story lacks that magic. Um, so, you know, obviously that's just one sort of review, but uh, Entertainment Weekly also gave it a C plus. So not his um, not his best, but, um, you know, all the same. I, I don't know. I'm glad I, like I'm glad to have enjoyed it overall. No, I totally understand that. And that's that's interesting that they say like fantasy and magic, um, especially if you're going to like, I mean, first of all, if you're going to compare that to A Christmas Carol, I mean, come on, you can't. Um, but there's a reason why that story is classic and comes back every year because we had a magical fantasy nights. You know, there's ghosts and supernatural in there. there there's a magical element to it. But the, the overall takeaway of that story is that there was a change in character. Like this guy learned a lesson, <laughs> you know, Scrooge learned a lesson and like he was made self-aware of his flaws and he actively worked and changed his ways. And then, and then he made amends with the people that he did wrong. Christmas with the cranks. This is just a superficial story. I mean, it really is. It's all about Christmas. 
had again had their daughter not come home they would have done their own plans they would have thought about themselves they wouldn't change their ways they just changed the plans that that year they didn't change their personalities their behaviors the thoughts of other people like it's superficial and yeah, I mean, uh, so and when you get like stories that have better meanings at the end of it that's why what makes it memorable well, so th- there's a book by J.K. Rowling called The Casual Vacancy, and it's overall about like small town life and how heinous people can be. And it's mm. very satirical. And like, I-, I-, I love that book um, overall. And I thought this could have been in that way, but I think it tries to, by the end, be a Christmas carol. But, you know, as you're pointing out, like with um, with Ebenezer, I was going to call him Scrooge McDuck because Scrooge McDuck <laughs> does play in a version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Anyway, so many versions. So, so Ebenezer himself, he's a curmudgeon, right? But everyone else is good. Whereas here, as you're saying, the superficial aspect of it, the the lines are very much blurred. Of who's actually like they're all justifiably terrible people in many ways. Yes, there's redeeming qualities. So it's like you know, pick your poison. But there's not a clear-cut winner, whereas A Christmas Carol, you get that right away, you know? Um, mm. And so that's what I think is a huge, huge difference, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. Anywho. Agreed. Agreed. So with that, we have officially finished skipping Christmas. Yep. Moving on to the new year. What do we got for the new year? Uh, our, for January 2024, we're almost there. Uh, we're going to read uh, Friedrich Bachmann, uh, Anxious People. Um, it takes place in a crazy apartment complex where there's a open house and something happens. There's a robber and then they're trying to run away from everyone. And uh, you get a bunch of strangers together all rallying who like who's who, who who believes who, who's telling who, who remembers what. So it's just like uh, it's it's a fun, zany story about a bunch of different personalities, overthinkers all stuck in the same room trying to recall the same event and get different personalities and perspectives. Um, So that's that'll be our fun one to start the year. Right. And then <laughs> keeping the easy breezy, just kidding. <laughs> um, we get This Earth of Mankind, which is by, well, I'm just going to say it's that <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to learn to pronounce um, the author's name by the end of this. But um, this is actually a banned book in many parts of the world. Um, it was written from prison. So, um, you know, and Marissa's big sort of knock on me is you always pick books about colonized colonization Colonization. and it's true but it's also because i want to read books from other cultures and unfortunately most of them have been colonized so you know i get it yeah um but uh so this will be for february do we have a march pick not yet i'm getting there i'm getting well for april it's technically a, a graphic novel um but well mm. it has pictures but it also has like like it's a weird it's like an illustrated book if nice. that makes sense okay like it's got paragraphs and then it's got some pictures and then paragraphs and pictures so an adult comic book yes graphic book got it so it's called the absolutely true diary of a part-time Il- indian by sherman alexi and i thought okay. you know i know we're uh 
you know, Native Heritage Month, you know, will be long gone by then. But all the same, you know, um, I want to continue just reading more stuff. So, but okay. also before we fully wrap up this episode, what have you been reading just off on your own? Yeah, actually, I'm in kind of in the middle of two books because we just finished a John Grisham book. And I quite honestly, not my favorite story. Um, but knowing how great of a writer he is, I actually got um, John Grisham's The Reckoning. Um, and this is actually I don't like I'm I don't know, 70 pages in, but the murder, someone just like straights up shoots people in, in town and he doesn't have a great alibi or an excuse and we're i'm like i'm at the point where they're just trying to get him to admit that he did it and why and he's just not talking um so yeah uh i figured this story would be a little bit more intriguing for me and then also because uh we're going to be reading anxious people by Friedrich pachman um i'm also in the middle of a man called oh which is this is mostly what people know him for uh there was a recent more recent English version movie adaptation called The Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks, but it's originally a Swedish book. Um, and this and it's called The Man Called O's. And my mom told me to read it years ago, before the movie even came out. And uh, and then somehow, you know, like it was in the zeitgeist, it circled back. I was like, all right, let me finally read this. So yeah. Cool. Well, um, I mentioned that I started reading uh, The School for Good and Evil, book number one, but I have now officially finished it. And, you know, it's it's like Harry Potter light. You know, it's same sort of premise, magic, fantasy in a school, um, obviously different strokes. And, and it's clever enough, but I, I, you know, I had my issues with it, um, things of that nature. There's other books in this series I'm not going to, I was just curious because I wanted to read this one. I don't think I'll continue. Um, not because I don't think they're worthwhile, but it just didn't draw me enough to be like, oh, you know what? Like I got to go and read the rest of them. Yeah. Um, I have also ah, read yeah. Why We Love the Matrix by Kim Taylor Foster. Um, because of course I need to know why other people love the Matrix because I love the Matrix. Yeah, um, I know why you love it. <laughs> You know, um, and it, it was it was good enough. I mean, it's a short read. Um, you know, did, I, I gained maybe like a few different things here and there. But overall, it was just fun to like revisit the memory of those moments. And even though it tries to focus on it as a tr as a trilogy, it just focuses on the first one. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was fun. Uh, currently, I am reading A Scanner Darkly, which is a, one of my favorite movies. Um, and I've been trying to get more into sci-fi and Philip K. Dick in general. So reading that one. Um, and it's fairly like the book and the movie are fairly similar, at least so far. I'm less than halfway, give or take, with the book. Yeah. Um, and then we did a book haul, you and I. We did. <laughs> so we got so many books. So I got the tat tattooist of Auschwitz with um, uh, the sacred journey of the peaceful warrior. I got an Agatha Christie uh, book called the seven dials mystery. Mm -hmm. I got one called evening by right. Um, right story. Susan Minow. Uh No country for old men by Cormac McCarthy. Cause 
I uh, haven't read him yet and figured that would be a good one. And then a great book about Billy Wilder. There you because go. Because Billy Wilder's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> As a is. filmmaker, screenwriter, director, all the good stuff. So that's, I don't think that's all the books I got when I was with you, but that's some of the books I got when I was with you. That's so funny because I was just going through all my books earlier today that, that we got from that haul. Um, and I got a lot of movie adaptation books too and some sci-fi uh, according to your recommendations too um so yeah maybe those will be some upcoming books we talk about who knows stick with yeah, us gave, we'll two find books out. that i gave to marissa is the diamond age by neil stevenson because i think uh I, I think you'll find it intriguing you know um yeah for sure and number two i i gave um uh what, what's it called uh, the, um it's an ian McEwen book the cement garden is that what it's called yes <laughs> um yes. So I told I forewarned Marissa and I'll forewarn anybody. This is a book. <laughs> it's not that you're gonna cry, it's that you will be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I love being destroyed, but also I was like, oh god damn it. <laughs> it's surprisingly a very short book, I think like 180 pages, give or take, mm -hmm. but it will destroy your soul. <laughs> so good All luck. Right. Have fun. Yeah, thank you for that. In fairness, I did make you read Never Let Me Go, and that book destroyed me. So it's it's only fair. Yeah. And part of it's like I went on that journey when I read, like I had no idea where it was going to go. Mm -hmm. And so like now I just need catharsis through a collective trauma bond. Yeah, it's like you need someone else to talk about it. That was my thing with Never Let Me Go. I was like, I need more people to read this so I can talk about it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'll let so. you know when I'm finished. <laughs> anyway, that's what we have for you. Um, happy 2023. It's been fun. You know, we've now been doing this for uh, just over two years, essentially going on our third year. This is uh, yeah, we're having fun. So continue joining alongside with us. And uh, hey, the number one podcast of all the podcasts that I put out is a hundred years of solitude. Hey. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that we only do this once a month and I put out like 200 new episodes a, a year. <laughs> Kudos for you guys for liking the, the stuff we do. So yeah, yeah, and thank you for everyone who listens and stuff and follows with us. Uh, yeah, we just love reading, and we and we obviously love talking to each other and, and that. And you know, it, why not just continue it? It I think this doing this is like one of the. I mean, we do many things together, but it's definitely like a highlight of what keeps our friendship going. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. At Serafini TV, if you want to wish her a Merry Christmas, or you can yes. skip it. <laughs> and, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to anyone who celebrates or don't. Yeah. Your choice. Dealer's choice. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm at Phil Speed Tech, and we'll see you in 2024.